Praise the Lord. Come on, give him a hand clap. You can beat that. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We trust that you've enjoyed your Christmas uh, season, and we trust that you'll uh, be blessed throughout the week and celebrating the new year. It's a wonderful time of the year, and we're so thankful that the Lord has come and God sent his son to be the Savior of the world. On behalf of me and my wife and my family, we want to thank you so much for your Christmas generosity given to us. Uh, you're always such a giving people, and we, we're so privileged, I feel like, but we are so thankful for all the gifts and the fudge and the cakes. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to receive gifts by the hands of people, and you feel so unworthy, and I like to give more than receive, but we do thank you for your, your blessings over the holidays to me and Jenny and your love that you've shown to us. I've, I, um, you know, in Pentecost, everybody always talks about visions that they have and dreams that they have. And, you know, I've had a few visions in my life, not a whole lot, but I've had a few of them. And I, I've had dreams. And the scripture even says young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. I guess I'm middle-aged because I've had both. But not a lot of them. I'm just, not, the Lord does not deal with me in that kind of a way as much as others. But I have nightmares, have y'all ever had nightmares? I had one last night. I dreamt that I was just a preaching and I was just enjoying my sermon, but I was the only one enjoying it. And y'all were just sitting down on me and I'd get to a climax. I'd say, shout to the Lord. And y'all just sit there and stare at me. And that went on all night long and it bothered me. And I promise you, if you do that to me, I'll hook 250 votes to them chairs and I will get a response somehow, amen? Give the Lord praise in this house. Amen. Woo! Well, that proves that my nightmare was not of the Lord because you're not going to be that kind of a congregation, are you? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 23. You can remain seated for the reading of the word. It's just one passage of scripture. I want to get right in the word. I'm a little excited about it. I, uh, I've, I've kind of been undecisive over through the week, just studying, and I started putting a sermon together and got most of it done, put it away, and started a different one and put it away and ended up with this one. So this is the one I feel like that the Lord is uh, wanting us to preach this morning. So, And I'm encouraged by the kind of content that the Lord has given me. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 just literally says, Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I'm going to ask, Brother Crutchfield, would you stand and ask the Lord's anointing on the word of God please for me this morning hallelujah Lord Just ask for your Lord. 
Amen. Thank you, Brother Crutchfield. You know, this morning, I want to encourage you and tell you that the God that you serve is a God of truth, and he does not lie. Jesus came to introduce the true revelation of God the Father. As a matter of fact, every prophet or every person that came within the Old Testament, they came to reveal the partial parts of God. For example, when you begin to look at the different prophets, you see that Isaiah, he reveals the redemption of God, and Hosea reveals the long-suffering of God, and Jeremiah reveals the compassion of God. Amos reveals that God is a burden bearer. And then you look at uh, Joe, he reveals to us that God is a spirit. On and on and on as different people came on the scene throughout the Old Testament, the meaning of their names and the type of ministry that they held revealed a partial part of who God was. But did you know that when Jesus came and, and he came on the earth, he came to reveal the whole character, nature, and the being of God. Matter of fact, in John chapter 10 verse Verse 30, he said, my father and I are one. And whatever you've seen out of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, that's who God was. Wherever you looked at Jesus and watched what he done, the watch how he acted, watched the way he done ministry, that is how that God operates. That is who God is. Because how many knows that Jesus is God? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus said in John 14 and 9, he that has seen me, he has seen the Father. In Colossians 1 and 15, it was the Apostle Paul that wrote concerning Jesus Christ. He said, who's in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. The writer of Hebrews states this concerning Christ in his relationship with the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, he says, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus Christ came to reveal to us God the Father. He's the one that brings us into the very presence of God. Through him and him only are we able to come into the presence of God. Jesus came to give us the full revelation of the nature, the character, and the being of who God is. You cannot know Jesus Christ, or you cannot know God the Father without knowing Jesus Christ. One of the names of Jesus is truth. We know that because the famous scripture that Jesus quoted in John 14 and 6 says, I am the way I am the truth and I am the life. Therefore, whatever Jesus Christ tells you is the truth. And let me tell you, if Jesus said it's the truth, God the Father is also speaking as Jesus speaks. God, did you know that it is impossible for God to lie? And yet Jesus said, who is God, representing God the Father, if thou can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Do you believe that? How many believes that all things are possible to them that believe? Somebody needs to get into this sermon this morning. Say all things. Say all things. Now let me ask you a real personal question. Do you believe that in the light of what you're going through? When you personalize it with everything that's on your plate right now, with everything that you're faced with, with everything that you're going with, with every circumstance that is coming against you, do you really believe that all things are possible to them that believe? This simply tells us that nothing shall be impossible to those of us who believe, and it makes it very clear that all things are possible to them who believe in Jesus Christ. Do you 
believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, then you can believe that all things are possible in your life. Can I tell you this morning that God, the God that we serve, is a God of possibility. There's nothing like impossibilities with God because God specializes in the impossibilities of your life. He strives on impossibilities. They neither concern him, he never worries, he never frets because nothing is impossible with who God is. Impossibility is a word that does not even exist in the mind of God. Did you know that the word impossibility is not even in his vocabulary? And the reason for the impossibility with God is very simple to understand because the omnipotence of God guarantees that nothing will be or ever be impossible with him because God is not only all-knowing, God is not only all-present with us, but God is all-powerful. All power belongs to him in heaven and in earth. He is an omnipotent God. He has all power. He is the. He has all power, and therefore nothing is impossible to him. Can I tell you, the God that you serve, again, is a God of possibilities. If you need something impossible done in your life, then I want you to know you're looking to the right place this morning if you're looking to God, because God is a God of possibility for you. God has the power to do all things at all times, do whatever he chooses to do and when he pleases to do it. He is a sovereign God. Say he's a sovereign God. He is a sovereign God. What me and you think or say can be impossible or limited at times because of our humanity. We don't have the power that God has. But with God, everything is possible, which means that there is no limits, that he is limitless in capacity and in power. If something is not available, you know what? Then all he's got to do is just speak the word and it's done. Just like in the book of Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, when the satyrian comes to Jesus, a Roman soldier, now listen to who it is, he comes to Jesus and he says, Master, my servant is sick. Would you heal him? And Jesus says, yes, I will come to your home and I will heal him. He said, oh no, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house, but I am a man of authority and I understand authority. All you gotta do is speak the word and it'll be done. He says, I tell men to come and they come. I tell men to go and they go because I am that man of authority and I recognize all you got to do is just speak the word and my servant would be healed. And Jesus marveled, it said, and said, I have not seen so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. This was a Roman soldier. This was a Gentile who had more faith than sometimes the believer the Jew did. And here is Jesus marveled by his faith because he believed all he had to do was just speak the word. Can I tell you today that your situation is not so big that God can't remove it. And did you know that all God's got to do is just speak the word and it's done? All he's got to do is lift his voice. He don't even have to move off of his throne. All he's got to do is speak the word. In the book of Psalms, he said he sent his word to heal them. He just speak the word and people would be healed. Are you ready for the impossibilities to become possible in this place? Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. The omnipotence and the limitless power of God guarantees that there's nothing impossible with him. In Genesis 18 and 14, God asked this question, and I'm asking it to you. He asked it in Genesis 18 and 14, is there anything too hard for me? Let me ask this congregation, is there anything too hard for God? 
Do you really believe it? Now personalize it again. Look at your situation. Look at your problem. Look at your dilemma. Look where you're at. Look at the impossibilities that stare you in the face. Look at that thing that's which hounded you and mocked you. And look at that thing that's been buffeting you. Look at that thing that you've wallowed around for two years. Look at the hardship. Look at the trial. Look at whatever you're going. And then ask yourself the question that God has asked here in the book of Genesis 18. Is anything too hard for God? then really apply that to your life because God's laid this spirit, this sermon on my heart. When God lays a sermon uh, message on a person's heart, this is a rhema word for the church that God wants the palace to praise to believe that nothing is too hard for him. Can I tell you, amen? God's about to do something great for us here in this building. Amen. Give the Lord praise in advance for what he's going to do in the lives of people. Amen. He asked this question when he told Abraham and Sarah in their very old age that they'd have a child. He'd done this in irrespect in the fact that both of them were no more fertile and that, and that Sarah's womb was barren. And they begin to doubt and even Sarah last. and God says, is this too hard for me? Well, I would be laughing too because Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. Folks, what he said he was going to do was literally impossible with the human body and with the, human, with the, with the humanity. It was just simply impossible. And he looks at Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he looks at Sarah. Sarah, you're going to have a son. She's barren. He's 100. She's 90. I would have laughed too. But God says, is there anything too hard for me? Can I tell you, Job expressed the possibility of God better when he encouraged, when he encountered trouble and tragedy, though he was a perfect man in his generation. He was a perfect man in his generation, but he come under some heavy obstacles, didn't he? He come under some manifold temptations, some heavy trial. A lot of trouble came to old Job, and Job lost everything. He lost his business. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. And he did not initially believe that this would actually be ever brought back to restoration. He never really thought that he, things would come back as they normal were. And he was even mocked by his friends. You might be in that same situation today, and you've come to believe that there's no hope of recognition reconciliation. There's no hope of restoration in your life. Those things that you're lost is lost forever. Those things that have just slipped through your fingers and been, and been stolen from you that they'll never be able to be, return again and you're sitting there with regret and you're sitting there with tears and unbelief that ha what has been has been. You might as well get over it. Shake the dust off yourself and go forward but God somehow wanted me to tell somebody that something's been stolen from you but get ready because nothing's too hard for God and God's about to return that back which the devil has stolen from you. You believe that? Somebody needs to shout in this house. Amen? Every one of you can be encouraged today by what Job discovered in his process of trial. Where did he discover it? He discovered God's goodness in the process of trial. Sometimes God shines brighter in the midst of darkness than he does in an everyday encounter. Some of us need to understand that the trial that you're going through is just a process. It is not there to stay, but it's a process. And in the time of process, that means that God's processing something that before it's over, you're going to see more of who God was at the end of it than you did when you started. That by the time you get through your trial, you're going to know God in a greater length than you've ever known him before. Some of you have been really weighted down. Well, get ready because the manifestation and the revelation of God is about to come. And when God moves the obstacle in your life, I want you to know you're going to be at awe of who and what God can do because he's come through for you and that God is about to do the miraculous on your behalf. 
Amen. God's about to move in some people's lives. He spoke that to me. Job was brought to faith in the midst of his trial. Did you know that trials are not there to destroy you, but they're to make you? Somebody, though you, some of you feel like you're being destroyed, you're being torn apart, you're being stretched. You just have, you're at the end of your rope. Well, let me tell you this. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. Hello? There is nothing perfected without being tested. And let me tell you, trials are designed to build one's faith and not destroy it. And you may feel like that your faith is being destroyed, but actually it's not. It's being stretched. It's being challenged. And it's being, it's exercising your faith. And you don't realize it, but every day that you put forth faith and go another day, and every time you're exercising, and before long, there is always good results in exercise. Before long, you're going to see your faith come to maturity. And when it does, you're going to see the stone rolled away, and you're going to see the dead things come out of the grave, and you're going to see restoration from God back into your life. Can I have an Amen. The trial did not take away his faith, but rather, what did it do? It added to his faith. At first, Job went through different levels. At first, he was wiped out, and he just did not understand. And if you look in the book of Job, everybody says Job never questioned God. Well, he really did question at times. He really didn't understand what was going on, not to the question of unbelief, but he was trying to figure out what in the world was going on. And many of you have come to that same place. We're that place in the nation right now. What in the world is going on? And people are looking for answers, and people are scared and people are wondering God where are you at why aren't you doing something God where are you know people are praying more than they've ever prayed and people are seeking the Lord more than they've ever sought the Lord and remember this you don't always reap in the season that you sow and even though you've sowed in tears get ready you'll reap in joy it's going to come and it is coming and that thing which you've been praying about and wallowing around in for a year, I'm here to tell you, you're about at the end of the process and God's about to shine forth and you're going to receive your impossibility. Amen. So won't you just stand and give God praise? Come on, give him praise. I'm preaching to you about God's about to do something. Amen. Oh, yes, give him glory. Give him glory. Praise him. Believe it. Confess it right now to the Lord. Lord, I receive the word of the Lord. I shall receive my impossibility. Amen. But Job began to say, though he slay me, he come to the process, he began to trust in the Lord. He said, though the Lord slay me, I will trust in him. And though the skin worms destroy this mortal body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. Look at what Job is going through. First of all, he's saying, though he slay me. In other words, Job's thinking, I'm not going to make it through this. I'm going to go by the way of the grave. And though the skin worms destroy my yet mortal body, yet when it's all over, when it's all said and done, in eternity I shall see God. Job in the midst of his trial focused on the eternal aspect of God, of what God was showing him, and the promises that was to come. He was looking in the far future and saying, I will overcome this. I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. I will not survive what I'm going through. That's what Job had settled in his mind, that this thing will take me out. This thing will kill me in a natural sense. And we're always talking about people going through trials. We always talk about when we get to heaven. And when we get to heaven, everything's going to be all right. And that is true, and it's a wonderful thing to look into. If in this life only we have hope, then we're all men most miserable. But on the flip side of the coin, Job, his faith began to arise in the midst of his tragedy and in the midst of his trial. 
Because after Job expressed his faith and seen the eternal aspect of things, then God began to increase that faith in Job to where he could believe not only in the future but in the now. Job moved from what could be in the future to what was to be in his very presence. In other words, God's saying, Job, you're not going to die. Job, this thing ain't going to take you out. And Job's already come to the conclusion, this thing's going to kill me. This thing is done. The bull's on me and all of my wealth is gone and all of my family's gone. Everything's gone. I'm going to die here soon too. But God comes down in the midst of it all and says, Job, I'm not done with you yet. Amen. Folks, we don't have to wait to heaven to experience a little bit of heaven. We can experience a little bit of heaven right here on earth. Can I have an amen? Job 42 and 2 says, I know that you can do everything. That's where Job came to. And that no thought can be withholding from thee. And then he goes on in verse 5 and says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes seeth thee. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is where I am moving in the church. The church is in a process. We're in a journey right now. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm taking through the church through a process and my rhema words are going to start falling on the ears of my people, a now word, and they're going to begin to be turned into testimonies. And he said, the palace of praise is going to be known as a testimonial church and people are going to come from far and wide to hear the testimony of the saints about the goodness of God in the land of the living that he's not only a God of eternity that's going to give us a hope in heaven but he's a God that gives hope right now in the midst of hopeless. He's lying in a dark place and that God is about to bring the possibles into light to the impossibility. That's about to happen at the palace. Amen. Job acknowledged that he knew others who had their testimonies and their promotion have you ever felt like everybody else is getting heard from God? Everybody else gets the promotion in the Lord? Everybody else gets the blessings of the Lord, but you don't get it? How many's ever felt that way? Raise your hand, be honest. There's a bunch of liars in this house because we've all felt that way. As a matter of fact, we have felt that way to the point that God will hear Susie, but God won't hear me, so I'll have Susie pray for me and maybe God will have mercy on me. Come on. We've all come to that place where we felt like that we were being denied while everybody else was being accepted. Job felt that way. He looked around and all these testimonies is going on around him, all the different promotions of men. He mentions that in the scripture. But he says, I want to tell you, he says, I've heard by the hearing of the ear of what you've done. I've heard by other people's testimonies. I've heard that other people proclaim that you were God and you done this and you done that and you moved over here and you moved over there and you brought this forth and you brought that forth. But he says, not only have I heard it by the hearing of the hearing, now I see it with my own eyes for I have experienced it for myself. Can I have an amen? Job was restored back to everything to him fourfold. Can you imagine that? God moved upon his family. God moved upon his wealth. God moved upon his, and everything he lost, God brought it back fourfold in the life of Job. When people give testimonies beyond your imagination, believe that they're true. Because God says that each and every one of you in this building will also be able to tell your own testimony very, very soon in the house of God. In November, we had what we call a story worth telling. And there were, I, don't, I forget how many testimonies there were, 
You know, my little Audrey, my little granddaughter was able to testify of overcoming an injury, a brain injury. What a miracle we received in our family. Misty, uh, Duncan, she testified of overcoming cancer and everything she went through her process. But the, at the end of her process, she had a testimony. Misty, stand up for me. Would you do that for me, please? There is a testimony of the goodness of God. Audrey, are you in the house? Where's Audrey at? Audrey, stand up. If you stand up when well, she's not there. And, and, all right, uh, then there was Tricia who felt like she was attacked in her self-worth. And she talked about how that God restored that. And there was Candace who overcome depression. There was Andrew and, and there was Craig Reynolds that overcome drugs and alcohol and addictions. And, and there was uh, Trig Frost that overcome what the rejection and she felt not loved. And I could go on and on and on. Every single of those people got up and spoke of the tragedy, spoke of the trial, spoke of everything that they went true. But the end of it, of the truth of God came in that God is a God of possibility in the midst of impossibility. So when you hear their testimony and you think, wow, then not only believe it for them, believe it for yourself, for truly God has spoken. I am not a respecter of persons, and what I've done for one, I'll do for another. I am the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Get ready, for you're about to receive your testimony in the midst of your trial. Amen. What a word. God wants each and every one of us to have evidence of his faithfulness in our lives, both corporately and individually. God wants you to have evidence, manifestation. We're living in the manifestation season. Everybody asks me, what are we going to have in our declaration next year? It's the same declaration because this is a season of manifestation. This manifestation is not going to leave until the coming of the Lord. Can I have an amen? It's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, amen. It's gonna get where you walk in the building and you feel the tinglings of the Lord. And then you come in and you feel more of the presence of God. It's gonna get heavier and heavier until you come in and you feel the weightiness of God. And you feel the Shekinah glory of God because we're living in the manifestation season. In Jeremiah 32 and 27, God told the Israelites, you know what, you're gonna go through a trial in your life. God even prepare you for your trial, did you know that? He said that he would, he's going to carry them away into Babylon, into captivity. But then he gives them a hope in the future to see that that's just a temporary thing. Some of us lose sight of what we're going through, that it's only temporary. Things that come into your life, they're not there to stay. They're there to come to pass. Matter of fact, they're there just for a short season. Sometimes we feel like we exaggerate our dilemmas. We exaggerate our trials. The longer they stay, they'll be there six months and we say, I've been going through this for five years. When the reality was it's only been six months but it's been so heavy that you blow it out of proportion and out of content because it's a real battle. And it's something that you're really fighting. And nevertheless, Jeremiah tells them, you're gonna be carried away into Babylonian captivity. You're gonna be faced with a trial. But then he goes on and he also tells him, but you're gonna be released suddenly. That there's going to come a suddenly when you're going to be released from that captivity. That victory is in your future and you got to hang on to that. And every one of you that's in the midst of your trial, you got to hang on that victory is soon to come. If you don't believe in victory, if you can't believe, then it'll not happen. But if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Amen? 
You got to believe that victory is just around the corner. You got to believe that victory is upon you. The release, he told them, would be a God moment when he would intervene and that he would cause the return. When then he said, and when you return, you're going to return with everlasting joy and a song would be on your lips as you come back. The children of Israel could not believe this. They could not understand this. And they began to question because they understood their history. They understood that but the last time that they were in captivity, they were there for 400 years. So they understood that, hey, I don't understand this. You're going to take us into captivity, but we've been in captivity. We know about captivity. We've been taught captivity. It's been a 400-year process. And God said, no, 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 it's just going to be but a moment. And God says, and I'm going to bring you out. When I bring you out, you're going to come out with everlasting joy. They couldn't believe it. And then God responds to them in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. And listen what he asked them. Is there anything too hard for me? He asked the same question to them as he did to Abraham and Sarah. I'm asking the palace of praise a second time. Is there anything too hard for God? Amen. He also reminded them that he was the Lord and the God of all flesh. He said, I am your Lord. I am your God. I'm the God of all flesh. Jeremiah answered, even the prophet did, And listen to what Jeremiah said after the revelation of God came to the children of Israel. Jeremiah responds to God and he quotes this before the nation. In Jeremiah 32 and 17, awe, like awe, standing in awe. Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and there's nothing too hard for thee. That's what Jeremiah proclaimed. Somewhere the church has got to begin to proclaim and to decree and to declare that there's nothing too hard for God, that he's a God with an outstretched hand, and that God is for us and not against us. We cannot let our circumstance dictate to us our vocabulary and our speech. Well, I can't, or I wish, or I wonder. No, no, no. God is, and God's doing, and God is going to bring it to pass. Can I have an amen? There's no hope so. It's going to happen. Amen? I like what the Hillsong United, they put a lyrics to that verse of scripture. Way back, we used to sing this years and years ago, and the lyrics start out, all, like standing in awe of God, all, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power, all, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy outstretched arm. And then the course goes, nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, great and mighty God, great and power and mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Can I tell you that absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for our God? He's about to come through for some of you. Many scriptures in the Bible point out the facts that the God that we serve is a God of limitless capabilities. He he can do all things at all times as he pleases. Why? Because he thinks he's God and no one's ever told him any different. Amen. He's God, folks. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he pleases. He does not have to get permission from anybody. In Matthew 19 and 23, Jesus was talking to his disciples concerning how hard it would be for each man to enter into the kingdom of God. How a rich man would enter into the kingdom of God. I should clarify that. 
In verse 24, it says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, how can this be? How then, who can be saved? If it, if, what, what rich man's going to be saved if it's going to be harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God? We don't understand how the rich are going to be saved. And then God responds to him. Jesus answers and says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen? When Mary was told that she was going to have a son and, and, and the angel Gabriel had begun to reveal it to her in, in the book of Luke chapter 1, Mary asked in Luke chapter 1 verse 34, how can this be seeing that I know not a man? Here's a virgin and the angel comes upon her and says, you're going to have a child and that holy child in you is going to be the son of God, the power of the highest is going to come upon you and impregnate you. She couldn't understand. She said, how can this be? How am I going to become pregnant? I know not a man. And then also he begins to reveal to Elizabeth who would also conceive, who her, her womb was also barren, which was the cousin of Mary. Zechariah was told and he was in the temple and he could not believe and when he come out because of his doubt he could not speak. And the Lord began to speak to me about that situation as I was preparing this sermon and it really hit me. Why did God shut his mouth? You know, I want to tell you, Zechariah had doubt. He could not believe that Elizabeth was going to have a child because her womb was barren and he come out and God shut his mouth for this purpose. First of all, it did not stop God. His doubt did not stop God from performing the miracle. How many knows Elizabeth had a child by the name of John the Baptist? Amen? His doubt did not stop the miracle from happening. Why? Because God shut the mouth of Zechariah where he couldn't curse his own blessing. Sometimes God will shut your mouth in order to protect you. Can I have an amen? If Zechariah would have been able to speak, he would have spoke death to the life of the dream. Some of you are not receiving the promise because you're speaking things you ought not speak. But I want to tell you, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And it's time to begin to speak the things that are positive, the things that are of truth, the things of the spirit and not the things of your circumstance. It's time to decree the word of the Lord, declare what God has promised and praise him in advance for what's about to come because God is wanting you to be a prophetic preacher of your own life and declare the goodness of God over your own dream and God will birth that dream and bring it to pass. Can I have an amen? Start speaking to that dream. Start telling it it's going to come into permission. The response of both of these, Mary couldn't understand how can it be, Elizabeth couldn't understand, Zechariah couldn't understand and then God speaks to them both in Luke one thirty seven. for with God Nothing shall be impossible. Impossibilities only exist in our minds. They don't exist in the mind of God. They only exist in our minds. It is in the vocabulary of the natural mind because the natural, as a natural being, you cannot do all things in the natural. It's impossible. When you reach a certain limit of capacity, you begin to, you know, give up. Matter of fact, there's times when you do all that you know to do. Amen. You go to the banker, you go to the doctor, you go to the accountant, you go here and there, you go to the advisor, you go to the counselor. And there's many times that even them people come on board and say, I've done all I can do for you, I'm sorry. And they will even label what you're going through as an impossibility. And then when they're through, then you begin to hear the voice. Well, the professionals have said that 
It's over. The banker says he's giving you all the money that he can and he can't bail you out no more. The doctor has said he's done all that he can do and he's done. There's no other treatment. Come on, the counselor says you're so mixed up, there's no hope for you. That's what I hear all the time. That's why she said she don't go to counselor. Amen. And you get all these negative words from these so-called professionals that say it's done. And then all of a sudden you say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've heard this, I've heard. You go to the preacher and the preacher don't even have any hope in you. So what do you do? You resolve to the fact that this is just the way that life is. This is the way I am. I'm never going to change. So you accept it as a way of life and you come to what you call what reality? Reality is I'm a loser. Reality is I can never win. Reality is I'm always going to be a downer. The reality is I'm never going to come through. The reality is I'll never succeed. The reality reality is I'll never achieve. The reality is that God doesn't love me. He only loves others. The reality is I was born this way. I'm cursed with a curse. I don't care that you were cursed with a curse. I'm here to tell you God is a curse breaker. Come on, somebody help me preach. I'm preaching right down somebody's alley. Our text involves where Jesus says that nothing's impossible to them that can believe. It's about a young man that brings his child to the Lord and he says, my child is demon possessed and I took him to the professionals. I took him to your disciples, but they could not help me. This boy's in trouble, in serious trouble. You don't think he had trouble? Every time he walked by the fire, the demon would pick him up and try to throw him in the fire. Every time he went by the water, the demon would try to drown him. Every time he turned around, the demon was out to kill his little boy. And the only hope was to take him to the professionals. Well, the professionals were the disciples. But I took them to the disciples, and they could not help us. What did Jesus say? Well, if the disciples, if the, if the counselors and if the, and if the professionals says that there's no hope, why are you coming to me for? There's no hope, just accept it as reality. You know, what did Jesus say? If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. The banker says it's impossible. The accountant says it's impossible. The doctor says it's impossible. The lawyer says it's impossible. Your mom and dad says it's impossible. Everybody around you, your family's telling you it's impossible. But I say as the Lord, if you can just believe, all things are possible to them to believe. Why are you giving up so easy? Amen. Now notice what happens. Jesus then walks over to the little boy and commands the spirit to come out of him And the spirit comes out of the boy, rents him and tears him and he falls to the ground as if he was dead and the Bible says, and the people that stood by said, he is surely dead. Now I wanna show you what takes place a lot of times right at the brink of your miracle. Right at the brink of your miracle when God's doing his greatest work comes the greatest attack. Here's Jesus, if you can only believe, if you can only believe, you'll receive that which is impossible. This man turns it over to the Lord and the man casts the demon out, but it appears that his boy has fell dead. Has it ever felt like that you've given it to the Lord only for the results to get worse instead of better? That is right there's when you're at the brink of your miracle. At your darkest hour is the midnight hour. That's when a Paul and Silas has an earthquake experience. Come on, somebody. 
Some of you are at the brink of a miracle and you're shattered because you've come to the Lord and you've come to the Lord and you come to the Lord and every time you laid it at his feet, instead of things getting better, it got worse. My boy was at least alive. I was trying to keep him alive. I bring him to you and you tell me that you're a God of limitless impossibilities and I bring him to you and what happens? You're the one that killed him. He's dead. He's laying on the ground. But Jesus says, arise. And the boy arose. Some of you just are waiting on that last part of Jesus' command. Amen. The Lord spoke to me, and I got, a, I got 20 more minutes of preaching at least. I'm not going to go back to my notes because I'm going to try to get you out of here for the holidays. I'm trying to be nice. But if I wing it without notes, I usually go instead of 20 minutes, an hour and a half. So I don't know if I'm going to. As I was putting this sermon together, the Lord spoke to me. And he said that when you begin to pursue your destiny, there's nothing but, a, 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 there's nothing but impossibility after impossibility and impossibility that stands in your way. And they're there by design. They're there because God put them there. And God spoke to me and he said, the person that is never faced with the impossibility where they come to the place, I have to trust you, God, then they're not walking toward their destiny. If you got an easy road, you better check where you're traveling because wide is the road that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow is the road that leads to the path of life. And God is saying to us right here, right now, those of you that are on your journey to the destiny, there will always be giants that will try to keep you from going into the land of promise. Just like the children of Israel, when they get to the brink of their promise, oh, hallelujah, we have made it, and all that trial through the wilderness, all of the things where they were needing water, where they were needing food, where they needed clothing, everything that they went through, you know all of the different struggles that they went through, and they come, and they think, oh, our trial is over, we gotta cross this river, and there's the promised land. They cross over to the promised land, whoa, 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 and all of a sudden, they're scared, and 10 spies come back out of 12 with a negative report, but there is, there is giants in the land, and we are but grasshoppers in their sight. There is always tragedy and standing in the way of your destiny and God wants tragedy to be there so you can learn triumph. God wants you to understand that you'll never see him in the fullness of who he is until you go through some things and come out on the other side victorious and after seeing God and experiencing God through your tragedies, it'll build your faith to believe that he truly is the God of impossibility that he says that he is. Can I have an amen? As a matter of fact, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you're going down a road that where you never have to trust God for anything, then he said, you're going down the wrong direction and it's not worth going anyway. Amen? Those of you that are fighting with everything that is within you, you know why? You're on your road to destiny. And the enemy's trying to stop it. He's trying to kill it. He's trying to destroy it. And what you've got to do instead of turning back and being defeated and trying to take shortcuts and detours that leads to a land of destruction, you need to just keep heading on straight because God is a God of limitless impossibility and he is going to see you through your dilemma and get you over into the land of your promise. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? No, I tell you what, I just felt just prick. Sit back down for a minute. If you need a miracle, 
You're faced with impossibility. And you need God to do something in your life. You need God to bring you out of an impossible situation. I want you to stand. Look, look, look how many people's in an impossible situation. I've been there. I'm not there right now. But I've been there and I will be there again someday soon. Because we'll, we'll just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on facing that. Now these people are in a place of impossibility. I don't know, some of it may be health, some of it may be relational, some of it may be financial, some of it may be mental, some of it just, it could be all kinds of different reasons. We're not gonna get into the personalized, personal life of each and every one of these people, but what we're going to do today as a church, we're gonna look them over real good, and we're gonna pray over them in a few moments, and then we're going to mark their faces and we're going to get ready when we do another one here in a few weeks or a, in a few months, a story worth telling. You're going to see these people stand up and they're going to testify of the impossibility that God's seen them through. They're going to, they're going to testify of it. I'm telling you the truth. God is about to bring a, a renewal in this church of his presence to where before God revives us to where the sinner comes in, he's going to get the church pumped up by showing us he's a God of impossibilities. Because when people come through those doors with twisted lies like you have never seen, even some of you will question, I don't know if we can help them or not. Yes, we can help anybody that comes through those doors because nothing is impossible to them. It don't matter how dark it is. It don't matter how demonic it is. It don't matter how bad it is. I'm here to tell you that God is a God of limitless possibilities and God's about to do the impossible right here in our midst, among our own people first. Amen. Amen. So what I want you to do, those of you that need an impossible situation to be made possible, I want you to begin to lift your hands and start asking God. Start honoring him, worshiping him and saying, God, I need you to come through. I lay it at your feet. I'm gonna bring it to you. You're a God of limitless possibilities. You have the capacity to do it, God, because you're omnipotent. Now I want the church not to touch them, but I just want everybody to stand up and, and face them, stand and face somebody that's like that, and I want you to start praying for them right now. I just want you to start asking God to do a miracle. You know what? I don't want you touching them because I don't want man to get the glory. God can get the glory by doing it by himself. Just begin to believe God right now for the thing that is impossible in their life to be removed, to get out of the way. Somebody's having an earth-shaking moment right now in the name of Jesus. You gotta believe that the impossible is not impossible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. In the name of Jesus, we break every bondage. In the name of Jesus, we break every chain. In the name of Jesus, we set the captive free. In the name of Jesus, we declare the goodness of God. In the land of the living, we declare freedom upon God's people and release in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting delivered here today. Come on, rejoice with us. Rejoice with us. There's freedom in the house of God. Don't doubt what God's doing. Amen. Sweet release. Relieve the heaviness. Relieve the manifold temptation. 
God, be a God of comfort in the midst of all the chaos. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on, give God a moment to keep moving upon the people. It's all right. God, don't lie. Don't God, God, don't encourage you to let you down. Things may get dark before they get better, but you're on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up. Don't stop. Just keep laying it before his feet. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit. Now you know what we need to do in the closing moment while they sing this song. Let's sing one chorus of that. Let the people sing it with you. Sing it, sing it. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Nothing. nothing's impossible then as you leave here today I want you to leave here on a high note I want you to leave here in the way that the children of Israel came back from Babylon they came back with everlasting joy and with songs in their hearts would you just now give God the highest praise and show him that you believe in the impossible come on you can get louder than that yes yes say I'm on my way to deliverance I'm on my way to deliverance I'm on my way to freedom. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. We want you to be highly blessed this season. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. Have a good holiday.